wonderful to see you here this morning. We had a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning that Eric taught. God is bigger than our burdens, amen. He's able to carry them away. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. We're just going to read verse 11 as we begin this morning. We'll read more of this psalm as we go through the sermon. Psalm 27, 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. His two, twofold prayer of David in the, the, this verse, he's praying, teach me thy way, and he's praying, lead me in a plain path. This to me has to do with someone that knows God. Somebody that's lost is not asking God to teach them his way. And somebody that's lost is not asking God to lead them in a plain path or a straight level path. This is the prayer of a believer, whether it's an Old Testament saint like David and Abraham and so forth, or whether it's a New Testament born-again believer. This is the prayer of a believer. You know, a lost person's prayer, either they're crying out to God for salvation sincerely, or sometimes they have no intent of giving their lives to the Lord, but their car's about to hit a tree, and they'll say, God, and they'll cry out to the Lord, and God is merciful and sometimes hears that. But a saved person is going to want to know the Lord. It's personal. It's not just the, the salvation. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. It's not just heaven in the end. It is, I want to know the Lord. And this is what David is praying. He had, knew the, he had known the Lord for years, and God had brought him through so many things by the time he's writing Psalm 27. But he's saying, teach me thy way and lead me in a plain path. And the word plain there, I looked it up to see, at least that's how it reads in the King James, lead me in a plain path. And it means what you think it would mean, in the sense it means level or straight. He lead, lead me in a straight path or a level path. And I, but it also carries a meaning to it that is beyond just a physical, I want to walk on level ground. It means justly and uprightly. Lead me in a way that is just and upright. And this to me has to do with the child of God and wanting to know how to walk with the Lord. Wanting to know the Lord. And wanting to know, how do I live this thing out from day to day? Uh, Eric said something towards the end of his Sunday school lesson, and I probably won't quote it exactly. But he said something to the effect of, we're all going to wake up tomorrow morning and have to make a choice. And to me, that's a choice of, as Christians, as believers, we're going to turn on the news, or somebody's going to tell us some other horrible thing that's happened in our country or in our society or in our world and you're going to think it can't get any worse, we're going to have a choice to make. You know, what do we do when these things hit us and come against us? Well, the one that's being led by the Lord, we're going to stay right there because none of those things move us. They don't move us. And they're real. We're aware of them. We're not in denial. We're praying for those things. We're asking God. But we're praying like David said, teach me thy way and lead me in a plain path. Because things just got a little darker today. Things just got a little worse today. And we need to trust the Lord and we need to tuck in close under his, the shadow of his wings as the, the Bible speaks of. So uh, a child of God, this twofold prayer, we're going to kind of break it down. Teach me thy way, and, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. A child of God or a born-again man or woman of God in our day, in this New Testament age in which we're living, we learn Christ. 
we learn Christ and we learn his ways. When one is born of the Spirit of God, and that's the new birth, that's salvation, it comes no other way. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he said, you must be born of the Spirit. Amen? It's a spiritual birth, and Christ comes into our heart, but not before then does he come into our heart, and not before then do we have the Holy Ghost indwelling us. You know, you hear it thrown around. I, I do. I've heard it before thrown around about uh, the body is the temple. You know, and lost people use that. And people that are pushing health food or, you know, uh, or, or something that you eat or, or physical exercise or whatever, they'll push. Them. Oh, don't forget the body is the temple. They're really taking that completely out of context. The Bible says, know, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What are we saying? Not... When a person is born again, the Holy Ghost comes to live in us, and at that point, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, but not before then. We might know about God. We might be in a seminary. We might be studying the Bible. We might want to be a pastor when we grow up or something like that, but until we're born again, the Holy Ghost is not indwelling us, and our body is not his temple. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit resides in us. And one of the blessings, it's one of many blessings of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is that at that point we now have the ability, the spiritual ability, capacity to learn Christ and to understand spiritual things. Until a lost person, they're always they're on the outside looking in. And it's like a, it would be like uh, trying to uh, look at a miracle under a microscope or examine the Trinity under a microscope. You can't. You cannot. It's impossible. Not that it's difficult. It's impossible. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned. Cannot. But when we're saved, we can, not only we're, we're saved and initially we come to know the Lord. We come to know him personally as Savior and Lord, the one who died and rose again for our sins. And we believe and we put our trust in him and the Spirit of Christ comes to live in us. If it's genuine and sincere, and we surrendered our life to the Lord, God will always do his part. Amen? He comes to live in us, and at that point, now we can understand spiritual things. doesn't mean we understand them all at once, but it means we have the ability now to learn Christ, to grow in Christ. I'll just read this for time's sake. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So now we can. Now we can. And so when David's praying, teach me thy way, he, we as believers, we can learn the Lord. David said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I know that you've heard this before. He doesn't say just learn uh, about me. Don't, don't just learn some spiritual things and so forth or church history, he says, take my yoke upon you, that's equally yoke with Christ, and he says, and learn of me, learn of me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, so we can, and so the redeemed man is new in Christ, he is alive from the dead, the Bible says that we were dead, he, you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, so this is just salvation, but in salvation now we have the capacity spiritually to learn the Lord. Don't think that when you're saved that it's all over at that point. That is just the beginning. Like I say it all the time, it's like you, 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 
when you go to the beach and you're excited about going to the beach and you first get there and you want to run out there and maybe uh, at first you just test in the waters and you put your feet in the water a little bit and walk in ankle deep water. That's just the beginning. This whole ocean is out there and this whole life in Christ is before us and all of our days we're going to be learning him. When we're raptured and we see the Lord face to face, there's a scripture that says then we'll know him even as we're known of him. But until that day, we're learning the Lord. A lost person is not. They can study a Bible history and everything all day long. They come to church. They can watch you as a believer and hang out with you. But until they're born again, they won't understand spiritual things. They won't know Christ. They won't be learning Christ more. Whatever they're learning, it's on the outside looking in. But as saved people and saved men and women, we can learn Christ. We're now in Christ and we can learn him more and the things of God more. And so for the first time, we actually can do that. Amen. And David said in Psalm 103, 7, he, had known, uh, he made known his ways unto Moses. We talked about Moses in Sunday school this morning. He made known his ways unto Moses. And that's David's prayer, right? Teach me thy way. And he, his acts unto the children of Israel. So what was, what was the difference? What was the difference between what Moses learned of God and the children of Israel learned of God? They both passed through the Red Sea, right? They both ate the manna from heaven. They both drank the water that came from the rock. They both had the Lord go before them and chase their enemies out. They both walked through the wilderness and their shoes didn't wear out, right? And their clothes didn't wax old. Uh, and they were kept by the Lord. All of them, they saw the miracles of God in Egypt. They both, both parties. But there's a big difference in t- between Moses and the children of Israel as a whole. There was Moses, Joshua, Caleb, and like I said this morning, maybe a handful, a few others that, that knew the Lord. He made known, says in Psalm 103, his ways unto Moses. Ways means a course of life, a mode of action. It says by conversation, by custom, by manner. It's a journey, and you're a passenger on the journey. That's this part of this definition. And so by conversation, by Moses being a passenger with the Lord, by the Lord being his good shepherd and keeping him up under his wing, and Moses wanting to be up under the wing of the Lord, uh, he began, God made known his ways to him. Moses knew the Lord. He knew the ways of the Lord. He came to know the Lord more. The children of Israel saw the miracles. Oh, there's a thunderbolt. There's lightning. There's a pillar of cloud in the day. Let's get up and follow it. But they had no relationship with the God who gave it all to them. Moses says, I want to know him. You see, Moses and Joshua, when Moses is on the mountain, two times fasting 40 days and nights, twice, it was just him and God. And you know who was hanging out at the bottom, a little part way up the mountain, was Joshua. He was hanging out down there. He wanted to press in. And when we see the tabernacle built, we see Moses standing in the, in the doorway of the tabernacle and God meeting with him and speaking to him face to face as a man speaks with his friend. It's incredible. There's a big difference between that and saying, he gave me food today, whatever this power is, but he probably wants to kill us tomorrow. I don't know if he'll give me food tomorrow. There's a big difference in that and Moses saying, thank you, God, and humbling himself before the Lord and saying, oh, I want to know you. Take the manna, take whatever. I want to know you. And he made his ways, known his ways unto Moses, his course of life. And this is what I believe David is praying for here 
in the Psalm 27 that we opened with. We can, in, we can know the Lord, and we can increase in our knowledge of the Lord. In one sense, you would say if that's not the case, if every person in this room couldn't be saved and then come to know the Lord more, why are we here today? What's the point of gathering? It has to be more than just a custom. This is what Christians do. There has to be some reality to it. God has said to do it, and we're to do it. There has to be some blessing in return. The Bible says that by, uh, is it without faith it's impossible to please him, right? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of him. Of who? Him who diligently seeks the Lord. Why would we diligently seek God after salvation if there was not more in it? There is more. There's a lot more. And we want to know, like the Bible says, by the Holy Ghost, we can know the things that are freely given to us in Christ. I think when we first say we know the Lord and we know him as to, to be saved, we know him as Savior and so forth. But there's so much in Christ we don't know that God wants us to know. This is, again, what Paul, I go back to it all the time, when he had been saved for many years, baptized in the Holy Ghost in many years, done miracles for the Lord for many years, been used to plant churches, and he says, oh, that I may know him, right? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. We can learn and increase more. I'll read this further from 1 Corinthians 2. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We're so blessed to have the Holy Spirit because, as I mentioned earlier, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit teaching us not only to bring us to Christ, to convict us of sin and righteousness and of judgment, but after coming to Christ, the Holy Spirit to take the things of the Lord and reveal them to us and impart them to us and make them part of us, to take what's Christ and to show it to you. That's what he said, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, this is what he'll do. It's not the pastor, God can use the pastor. It's not the Sunday school teacher, God can use the word spoken to the Sunday school teacher. But the Holy Ghost takes those things of God, thank the Lord for him, amen. And he takes Christ and the things of God and he shows them to you in a spiritual way and makes us know and understand. And I'll say this, that you and I have a great need. It's not a luxury. We have a great need of learning Christ more and more. It's not just a luxury. I need to know the Lord more. The Bible says we're living in perilous times. The Bible says what is the number one characteristic of the last days prior to the, to the rapture of the church? What does the Bible, we don't have to guess. What does the Bible say in Matthew 24? He says, take heed that no man deceive you. When his disciples ask him about the last days and when the temple was going to be destroyed, they ask him three questions. His number one response, his first response, take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come, how? In my name. Is it important that we learn Christ? Is it important that we learn the true Christ and the true word of God and what's the Holy Spirit and not another spirit? There, Paul says there are other gospels. There are other spirits, and there are other Christ. And they all parade themselves as being genuine Christianity and Christ. But there are other Christ, there are other gospels, and there are other spirits. And I need to know the Lord. You need to know the Lord. I need his strength. I need to know his ways. I need to see, be able to look up and wake up in the morning and wipe the sleep out of my eyes and say, this is the Lord and that's not. I need to see it. 
Your children need to see it. They need to be able to go to school or LSU or wherever they're going and say, this is Christ, what this professor is saying, or this is not. And be able to walk in it all by yourself. But you're not by yourself because the Lord is with you. We need to learn Christ more. We need to know the Lord more. It's not a mere luxury. It is a need. And so we, we need to learn Christ more. We need to be taught by him. We need to learn his ways. We need to be led, as the Bible says, in a plain path. Remember, a plain path is not only level and flat and straight, which is easy to walk on, but it has to do with just just and uprightly. I want to I lead me in a way that's just. Lead me in a way that's upright. Lead me, in, lead me in a path that's level. You know what I was, when I was studying this, I was thinking, why is that? Why do we need to be in a flat level place, spiritually speaking, walking out through this life? And I believe it's because everything else around us is crooked. I want to walk in a flat level plane. I want to make decisions. I want to pay my taxes. I want to do business. I want to, I want to do everything in my marriage, everything. I want to do it level and just and upright because everything around us is crooked. Everything around us is crooked. It's perverse. It's perverted. It's sinful. It's dark. Everything outside of Christ. And we're living in the midst of it. So David's saying, lead me in a straight path, Lord, because everything around us is haywire. Everything's gone nuts. Everything is dark and lost. Everything around us is crooked. It says in Hebrews, uh, lift up those feeble hands that hang down and make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. That's, that's the path we walk on. If, if, you have your, if you want to turn to this, I'm going to read it quickly from Proverbs chapter 2. Talking about a teaching, Lord teaching us his way and leading us in a plain path. It's just and it's upright. Look at, at Proverbs chapter 2. We'll read it in verses 11 through 15. Discretion shall preserve thee. This is godly wisdom, amen? Understanding shall keep thee. They're not just luxuries. These are needs. Discretion shall preserve you. Understanding shall keep you. This is godly wisdom and discretion. To deliver thee from the way, that's the way, okay? The way we're taught, teach me your way. God made known his ways to Moses to, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. This is the wicked that are all around us, who rejoice to do evil and delight in forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their paths. What is the, that's, that's really just about, that's the two ways that there are. There's the ways of God and there's the ways of man, right? All we like sheep have gone astray, turned every man to his own way. That's without the Lord. But he came and saved us and he set our feet upon a rock. And what does David say? He established my goings. He didn't just save me and say, when you die, you're going to heaven. He's invested in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. I'm sealed with the promise. If you're born again, you're sealed. We're his sons and daughters and he wants us to live for him while we're on this earth. And so I need to walk in the straight, level, upright path. And I need to see Christ, and I need to know him more, and I need the Holy Ghost to teach me, not just at salvation, but all through life. Amen? All through life. We have enemies, and I'm not trying to make you paranoid. I'm simply saying we know it biblically. We have enemies who are seeking to destroy us. We have enemies that are trying to ruin us. We have enemies, certainly the devil and those that work on his behalf, and, and just people around us that 
don't know the Lord, don't want to know the Lord, and they're enemies, and, they, and they're, they're trying to make shipwreck your faith. That's what the Bible says. You ever seen a shipwreck? I mean, not, maybe not in person, but you've seen a shipwreck on TV. It's a mess. It's violent. I mean, it's, it's destructive. And that's the word that's used. Paul says they're trying to make shipwreck your faith in God. They're trying to shipwreck your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this all the time. If you're saved, you're saved. But you can be saved and, and not be walking in the joy of the Lord. You can be saved and not be walking in the peace of God that passes understanding. You can be saved and not be experiencing uh, the, the presence of the good shepherd in every waking moment of your life. And you be saved and you can experience those things. The devil wants to, to try to... Uh, the devil and all those confederate with him are trying to wreck our faith. And this is what David says. So if you're back in Psalm 27, let's look at it quickly, where we opened. Let's read 11 and 12. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. And he puts it in the context of this, because of my enemies. Deliver me not over to the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. This isn't just David. People have enemies. Again, I'm not trying to make you paranoid, and I'm not trying to make you feel like it's you against everybody. We have the Lord on our side, and everybody's not out to get you. But just to be, be aware of the fact that we have an enemy, and we have enemies. David had, uh, and if, the closer you walk to the Lord, I'll say this, the more you actually walk with Jesus and keep his commandments and walk in his ways, and serve God, the more you're going to feel that opposition come against you. If that scares you off, then, then we, need to, we need to go to the Lord for, for boldness because that is a par for the course. That is a nature of the walk with the Lord. If you stand for God, the more you stand for God, the closer you walk with the Lord, the more you become like Christ, the more the, uh, the enemy is going to come against you and oppose you and confront you. And so we need the Lord to help us. But David, we're talk, David wrote this psalm that we're reading, and he had enemies. And it was not just Goliath and the Philistines. That was an enemy. He fought the Philistines most of his life. He fought Philistines. He killed the giant Goliath. Those were his enemies. But you know the most hurtful enemies that he had were those that he thought were his friends. And it's the same for us. It's the same for all of us. He was very faithful to King Saul when Saul was king and David was just a young shepherd boy who killed the giant, okay, and, and he becomes the, comes into Saul's service, serving under King Saul. He was very faithful to Saul, and Saul wanted to do what with David? Kill him. He wanted to kill him. People that you think are your friends, people that you're loyal to and you think they're loyal to you, that's the worst enemies of all. David's own son, Absalom, stole the hearts of the people from David when David was king and for a brief time stole the kingdom from his father. Now, God brought him back and, and restored it back to David. David's, quote, friend and counselor, Ahithophel, betrayed him and joined Absalom in the rebellion against, his, against David. So David's prayer when he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path, he goes, because of my enemies. So this is more than just a little side note in David's life. 
you know, keep me well, help my kids do well in school, keep us safe, all these things. This was more than just a little side note. He says, I need to be taught. I want to learn your ways. I want to lead me in a plain path. He says, because of my enemies, there are false witnesses that are risen up against me. Do, do not deliver me over to them and to their will. That's what he's praying. And his, his prayer is that he needs to know the Lord and walk in his ways. Amen. He needed the Lord to teach him. He needed the Lord to lead him. He's saying, I need to know you more. I need to know your way more. And I need to walk in that plain path because i got enemies all around. Enemies all around. And again, this, this we follow David's life, and we know a lot about David's life because it's written in, in the, the Bible. But uh, it wasn't just Goliath and the giants. His own brothers, you know, <laughs> were angry at him for coming to the battle. He had, he had uh, enemies all through his life. And some of it was his own doing later in life, but... Most of it was just because he was serving God. The Lord allowed it to happen. And so here, here's the things we're tempted to do when we have an enemy. So I'm putting this in context, learning the Lord, walking in the plain path. Uh, in context of why one of the reasons that's so important is because there are enemies around us. They want us to stumble and fall. They want to trip us up somehow. And I always think about Daniel. You know, when Daniel was serving under Darius... And he was the top man under the king of Persia, and he had enemies that were envious of him and jealous. They were in the king's cabinet as well. And they said, we're not going to find, we want to get Daniel. We're jealous. We want to get him out of there. We can't find anything. They, they watched him. Oh, he's, he's serving the king faithfully here. He's serving the king faithfully here. He's serving the king faithfully there. We're not going to find any kind of accusation against Daniel except it be something to do in his relationship with his God. I mean, it would be wonderful to, to have that kind of testimony. We can't find anything wrong with D except her, 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 we accuse her of something about her God. But he had enemies that were spying out looking to trip him up. And so Daniel's need, I'm going to still open my window and pray. Because regardless of the enemies around me and the lion dens that are around me, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. He's going to lead me and guide me through. If the lions eat me up, I'll go to heaven. If he preserves me through the lions, then I'll continue to serve him here. But I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Because of my enemies, that just heightens it even more. I need to walk in a plain path, and I need the Lord to teach me his way. And so we need the Lord. What we're tempted to do sometimes we want to get, and this is what we can't do, Okay, this is godly wisdom, all right? What you cannot do and I cannot do is get down to their level. If you have an enemy that's coming against you and they're gossiping about you, they're gossiping about your friend, or they're slandering you, what we cannot do is just get down to their level. We need to look, get the fog to clear a little bit and see Jesus and say, Lord, what will you have me to do right here? This is difficult. I've never been in this situation before. And that's what I want. I need you to, to teach me your ways, God. And I need you to lead me. Not only teach me, it's not enough that you teach me. I need you then to lead me in that way, in that plain path that's upright. I don't want to seek revenge. I don't want to make a rash, hasty decision, decision when enemies are coming against me. Have you ever made a rash, hasty decision and regretted it later? I have. And words that you've said, well, I'm picking up the phone and calling him right now. And you wish you hadn't have done that. You wish you just let God take care of it. 
There's times we, we do speak, but we, it's, it's as he leads us. Amen? I don't want to because enemies are raising false witnesses against me. I don't want to become bitter. It's easy to become bitter. Bitterness, the root of bitterness, defiles, it says in Hebrews. Defiles. I don't want to become hard-hearted and just, well, it's just me against everybody, and I'm going to toughen up and hate everybody. I don't want to become hard-hearted. Jesus didn't do that. Amen? I don't want to become fearful and be afraid of my enemies. I don't want to make foolish, ungodly choices when I'm being pressed in by enemies. Okay? Here again, Daniel, the law was passed that nobody could pray to anybody other than to the king for 30 days. Well, how's that going to fly with a believer? Daniel makes it. It's not, I don't think it was any choice. It was no, not even a wrestling decision, I don't believe. It says he opened his window, faced Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day like he had done before. Well, the spies were watching. His enemies were watching. We got him now. We, we, have, to, we have to trust the Lord. Amen? We, we need to keep our eyes upon the Lord and believe that even in death, Life and death, he's going to lead me the right way. What are we doing here if we don't believe our God can do that? What are we doing here? We, we need to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Let me tell you some of what's the, this would be something that David was praying that I believe you and I pray. I need to walk in a straight path. I need to know how to handle myself. Remember, right now we're putting in the context of enemies, people coming against you or uh, trials and people uh, maybe they say they're Christians, whatever, but they're, they're behaving as enemies at this time. You and I need to know how to handle ourselves. It's very important. You and I can always live in such a way by the grace of God that is beyond reproach. doesn't mean we're perfect and sinless, but in this situation, with this person, with this whatever, I can live in such a way that I'm taking the straight path and the level path in every word and every thought towards them. I'm not going to get down on their level. I need to walk uprightly in the midst of unrighteous men. The temptation at work and life and school just kind of sink down a little bit. Here's righteousness. Here's wickedness. And I'll just sink somewhere in the middle and kind of just fit right in. I don't want to make any trouble. But you're not serving your God when you do that. You're not honoring your Savior. You're not going to have the blessings of the Lord. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you're not going to have the blessings of God upon your life. I want to, and you need, and you and I need to walk uprightly, and that's determined by the Lord what's upright, okay? Not by someone on television. In the midst of unrighteous people, we need to keep walking uprightly. We need to walk in wisdom. We need to walk in integrity. We need to walk in safety and security, and that is from the Lord. Amen. I need to come out of the trial better. I need to come out of this attack from my enemies, however long it lasts, better. I need to come out stronger. I need to come out more humble. I need to come out more contrite. I need to come out more like Jesus. David says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the good shepherd, right? Psalm 23. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but we need the Lord to teach us. We, as I said, we not, it's not enough for him to teach us and show us. He goes beyond that and say, Randy, here's what you need to do. 
these three things in this situation, he actually is kind enough and strong enough to lead me through it. I'm just going to keep my eyes. I'm going to hang right on those little coattails, and I'm going to let the Lord lead me through it. This problem in the church, this problem with this person, this problem in, in family, this problem at work, this problem, whatever it may be, are people gossiping, people slandering. Guess what? You don't have to gossip and slander because they are. In fact, do not. That's a straight path, amen? The upright path. You don't do it because they're doing it. You don't have to do it. I need to know how to love my enemies. Remember, what we've read from Psalm 27, his prayer was in light of enemies at the time. I need to walk uprightly in a level path because I have enemies that are around me. And you and I need the same thing. We need to know how to love and pray for our enemies, yet not be deceived by our enemies. In other words, we need to learn to love them and pray for them, yet not be fall into their trap. If an enemy is setting a trap for we have to have some wisdom, amen? We have to have some wisdom. We're not stupid. We can love and not be stupid. We can love our enemies and people that are gossiping about us and not pat them on the back and say everything's great. We don't have to fall into their traps and play their little games. We have to have wisdom. I want you to look at, if you would, at Psalm 34. Just turn over there. Psalm 34, 11 through 14. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil. This is part of the upright path, right? This is part of the, the, the path that God's leading on us. You want to do good in life? You want to be blessed in life? First, we have to know Christ. That's for sure. But he says in verse 13, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You know what what's the New Testament comparison to that would be? And Paul says in Romans 12, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And, and I do want to throw this in again. Just, just, I think it's important. Sometimes we think that loving our enemies is that we just go along with them. But we don't just go along with our enemies. We're standing for Christ. So I can love them, pray for them, wish no ill for them, no harm upon them. They lie about me, I'm not going to lie about them. They gossip about me. I'm not going to gossip about them. But I don't have to be foolish and fall and just go and let them ruin my character or ruin my life or fall into the traps that they're setting. They're scheming for my downfall, but I'm not scheming for their downfall. You understand what I mean? They're, they're scheming for it, and, I, and God gives me wisdom, and I escape it. You know, when Saul was hunting down David like a dog in the wilderness, and he's hiding from cave to cave, uh, the Lord showed him, Saul's coming here. You need to get up and go. And guess what? He didn't say, well, I'll just wait here and I'll fall into the hand of my enemies. He said, no, I've got things for you. To, I want you to escape. You don't have to fall into his trap. David never wished nor said anything ill about Saul. Never. He said, I'm going to put him in God's hands. But he also didn't just let him come grab him and kill him. God warned him. He moved. God warned him again. He moved. 
God warned him again, he moved. And, and so that's just what I, I believe with our enemy. Sometimes we can think we're being very Christian and loving, and yet we continue to have fellowship with them. We continue to hang out with them and act like everything's great. That, that would be foolish. That's not of the Lord. And so we have to be careful to, to learn to trust God, to put those people in his hands. Just say, God, I'm giving them to you. I'm giving them to you. I put them in you. I don't want any ill for them. Open their eyes, show them, convict them of their sin. But I put them in your hands, and I'm going off over here, and I'm going to walk with you and in your ways. Amen. And God will lead us. Put, put yourself in God's hands. Put unrighteous people in God's hands. Put your, your enemies in God's hands, uh, those situations in God's hand, and then be content there and trust the Lord and rest in his hands. Be at peace knowing that the Lord has got you. He'll take care of the enemies in due time. You want, don't pray anything evil for them. God, open their eyes, show them, save them, Lord, whatever needs to be. Help them to repent of their wicked ways. And the Lord says, okay, I'll deal with them. You come, come on over here with me. I've warned you of their snares and traps. You don't have to fall into it again. Come over here and leave them with me. Amen? They can lie, and we don't have to lie about them. They can set traps, but I'm not setting a trap for them. Remember, y'all, we have the Lord on our side. We have the truth on our side. I've always taken great comfort in that. When, when all kinds of gossip and lies are being told, uh, I don't have to get out there and set it straight myself. Number one, we can't do it. There's too many lies. There's too much false. If God gives you an opportunity and gives you and says, this one, speak to them, then speak to them. But if we went around trying to set, set in other people's minds every lie that's been spoken about us or the gossip, we would never, that's all we would spend our time doing. And when we're through, it wouldn't have worked anyway. They're going to believe what they want to believe. So we can trust God. We can leave them in God's hands. And, y'all, we have the truth on our side. We have the truth on our side. And so when enemies come against us, we can bless them and curse not. We can bless them and curse not. So I'm going to bring this to a close. Look at back in Psalm 27. Let's finish that chapter. We read about don't deliver me over to false witnesses and enemies. enemies. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So this is faith. I would have fainted. It would have overwhelmed me unless I had really believed to see God's goodness, God's righteousness in the end, amen, in this life. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How we need to learn that, amen, to wait upon the Lord. David says in Psalm 37, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. God's going to set it all in order. We have to believe that. But I want to walk uprightly. I want to walk in a plain path. I want to learn the Lord more. I want to learn the Lord's ways more. And I want to walk in that because all kinds of chaos and hurtful things and hurtful people are all around us. I don't want to get bitter. I don't want, as I said, I don't want to think it's just me against everybody. And, and I don't care what happens to anybody else. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord, though. Amen. And walk in his ways. I'll close with this. D, you can come up. Speaking about Jesus, who is Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Christ was given to us for an example. 
okay, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. He was reviled all through his public ministry, and he was reviled on the cross terribly. They said he saved others. Himself he can't save. Oh, he's calling on God. Let's see if God really helps him. You know, it was just mocking, cruelty. He's dying for them, for them, for their sins. When he was reviled, what did he do? He reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. This is godly. You want to know what true godliness is and holiness and among men and a walk? To be reviled and not revile again. To suffer but not threaten. But committed himself to him that judges righteously. He just put it all in the Father's hands. Everything. All their cursing. All the, why didn't they see? My life was a fulfillment of all these prophecies. I'm the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. I came to take away their sins. I did miracles which no man's ever done before, and they're cursing at me. And they want a murderer to be released instead of me. They want to crucify me, which they did. They spat upon him and mocked him and plucked his beard out of his face. And he's saying, Lord, I just put it all into your hands. Into thy hands I commend my, commit my spirit. He prayed, and he died. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. And this is what we need to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk in a plain path. Amen. Learn to know the Lord more. Don't be content with your knowledge of Christ. Be thankful, but don't be content. Have a, ask God to give you a holy hunger. Wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, ask God to give you a holy hunger for more of Christ. He will answer that. Amen. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him.